Good morning. Happy Easter and Resurrection Sunday. We as Christians, that's what we are. We celebrate his resurrection every single day, don't we? We celebrate the life that he gave us every day. But it is a special thing to think about special times in the Word. I like that there are still seasons and times. Some people don't care, and, and it says in the, in the Bible that whether one person observes it or another person doesn't, it's not, you know, don't, one person wants to, another person doesn't, then don't worry about it. But I enjoy it. I like it. I like special days. Dawn and I are a little bit different on that, even anniversaries and Valentine's Day, and it's like, you know, we're not huge unnecessarily on the day for her. But for me, I like the specific day. So today's a special day. It is the day that we remember that Jesus rose again, that he paid a price for you, and that he rose again to life. And um, I just wanted to share a very simple, not a long sermon today. I know that we have uh, some family things to do as well. But I just want to pray, Lord, we, we just, we th- we're so thankful, Lord for all that you've done for us. You love us so much. You paid a price that is just unfathomable. We just give you glory, God. Give you praise. We welcome you here today in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible says, I just want to open my notes here too, the book of Romans chapter 5, in verse 6. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. It says, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Don't you love that verse? Verse 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. It's just a very special thing that he's done for us. It's, we can't even imagine Verse 9, and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Who's ever seen the show Undercover Boss? Anybody seen that? Everybody like that show? It's a very interesting concept because you have these CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies who come right down to the ground level, go right into the dirtiest, you know, the lowest parts of the job, get down there and sweep the floors and make the food or whatever it is, depending on the the episode. And um, it's amazing how there's there in each one I haven't seen a prideful one yet but each of these CEOs when they see their people and see what their people are doing for the company they're all driven 
to this compassion for their people and they want to do something special for those that they worked around. And you know, this, is, this story of Jesus Christ is the greatest undercover boss story ever. It's the greatest episode that has ever aired. I don't, you know, many of you here, I would say most of us here today are Christians. Some of you may be on your journey today. But we know Jesus. We know all about him. But sometimes we just forget what an amazing story this is how big it is. Jesus is not a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company. He's not even the king of the richest part of Dubai. He's not the president of the United States. He's literally the creator of everything that you see and everything that you don't see. It's an unbelievable thing that he did for us. The Bible says, the Bible says in the book of John, verse 1, John 1, 1, in the beginning the word already existed. The word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through Him. Imagine today, imagine one of the great leaders of, of the world today. You can pick, I'm not going to start naming ones that you would assume wouldn't or would. Imagine one of them sitting with God. <laughs> They're sitting in places of power in this world, but imagine them coming and saying to you, listen, all your wrongs, all your hurts, all your faults, uh, I'm going to die right now for you. It would be rare. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. It would be rare for somebody in this world to do that, wouldn't it? It's great acts of heroism. I just watched the movie the other day of um, World War II, Mel Gibson film, and Hacksaw Ridge. Who's seen the movie? Anybody yet? Well, then I won't spoil the story, although it's a true story. But basically, just this incredible act of heroism. You know, but the key to all these heroic stories that we have in World War II or whatever, is that it's a person who's dying for their brethren, for those that they love, for those that they're fighting next to. But Jesus, it says, died for us while we were his enemies, while we were sinners. That would be like us going and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get political, but we're having some issues with North Korea right now. That would be like me choosing to die for him. Kim Jong-un. <laughs> would anybody in here like to die for him? Does anybody think he's worth dying for? A lot of people think that <laughs> he's worth dying for. <laughs> Play on words there. But it says that Jesus... 
who's not just a king of this world. He's not just a, a ruler. It says that he existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. In verse 4, and the word, Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Jesus sat with the Father. It says in John chapter 17, verse 5, and he's wrapping some things up with his disciples, and he says, now, Father... Bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I know that nobody here has been to heaven. I know we're all looking forward to it. And I don't know what your beliefs are, but I've heard so many stories of people that see heaven and it's um, very hard to leave. (laughs) It's very hard to come back. Imagine that that is where you live. Imagine heaven is your domain and you've got no reason to suffer. You have no price that you need to pay. And I've said this in the, in the past year, Jesus did not go to the cross to become the king. He didn't have to do that to become Jesus. He was Jesus before. Look, at that's what the Bible says. Take me back I'm ready. I'm going to do what I've been called to do, and I'm coming here. But let's get back to the glory we shared before the world began. Jesus left his glory. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being when he appeared in human form. And verse 8, and he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death. But even the fact that it says that he humbled himself in obedience Jesus, I want you to know today, had a choice. He had a choice. Jesus said in in John chapter 17, verse 19, I give myself, I give myself. I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be holy by your truth. John chapter 10, verse 18. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also take it up again for this is what the Father commanded. In John chapter 19, verse 11, Jesus said, You would have no power over me at all unless it were given you from above. So the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. He's talking to Pilate. He's just about to be crucified. 
He says, don't you know I have the power to release you? And he says, no, <laughs> you don't realize. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do really with them. I'm doing this by choice. In Matthew 26, verse 53, he said to Peter, Peter rises up, he tries to do things in the natural, he can't see what, who Jesus is yet. He's understood that Jesus has been showing him who he is to the extent that Peter can understand, and he's been testing his faith, right? We know that in the scriptures, but now it's coming to that moment. Peter rises up to defend the Lord and strikes the man's ear off, and Jesus turns to him and says, don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly. Now, as believers, these are some of these, these things, these scriptures I'm reading, these are scriptures you know, and it's good to come back and remember. In fact, we're going to take uh, a communion after this. And what are the words? Do this in remembrance of me. We, that's the whole principle of the gospel, and yet we keep doing it. It's just good to hear how amazing and, and what Jesus actually did, that he actually chose to leave glory. He chose to leave that place of king of the universe and leave and come here and die. I mean, picture your worst enemy, your worst enemy in the world. Would you die for them right now? Without question. I mean, right now, without even thinking about it. Not that they owe you a thank you, because Jesus didn't require one. Do you realize who he is and what he's done? But it's his great love for us. Jesus just, I just wanted to say to you today that he loves you so much. He loves you so much. It's something that we should never get tired of saying, the love of Jesus. That is what the entire gospel is about. Do you know there's a lot of talk about love and hate in today's world, isn't there? A lot. But it isn't it ironic that Jesus, the epitome of love, was crucified by hate. And now it's turned, isn't it? Jesus is... If you believe in Jesus, if you want anything to do with Jesus, you're the hater and they're the lovers. The ones who are still crucifying him today, they want nothing to do with him today. It's ironic, but that Jesus is the epitome of love. And it says in Romans chapter 8, I just wanted to look at a few verses here. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it said, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory." It is said in verse 29 that he knew in advance. Jesus left his glory to give you his glory. I think 
sometimes it's hard to even put into words. I don't even know the words are going to come out of my mouth right now, but I've got a feeling in me. Sometimes if we think that God owes us something, I think sometimes we, we just don't, we're constantly going to him for his stuff. And I'm not saying if you have a need that you shouldn't ask him. He's a giving God and he's a loving God. That's the point of today's sermon, how much he loves you and he gave his life for you. But sometimes we just, I don't think we realize who he is and what he's done for us. And we can be bratty little kids sometimes. When Jesus, who doesn't demand a thank you and doesn't demand you to believe in him, paid the price, the ultimate price, a brutal death. Last year I talked about his death and I'm not going to go into all the details, but it was a brutal death. An innocent man for us. But it says that he knew what he was doing. He knew in advance and he loved us so much and wanted us with him so much. I think we forget that we need to be rescued, that he came to rescue us. Sometimes when we come to Christ, we think, okay, this is great. Now I can get on living my life and now he's going to help me have a great life. But it's so much bigger. It, the story is so much bigger than this life. You have to picture him leaving glory to come here to bring you to his glory. It's not about this life. Yes, this life, what happens here is his proof. It's like a down payment of eternity. The goodness that you will experience knowing Jesus on this earth is like down payment. That's what it says, that we have the Holy Spirit in us as a reminder of what we will share with him for eternity. We have this, this place of intimacy with God who also shows us which way to go, who will also protect us, who will also heal us in time of need. But it's to share in God's glory. It's to be one with Him for eternity. That's the ultimate purpose of His, of his price that He paid. But He knew before, and He says in verse 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? There's really no words to describe. There's really no words. We're going to do the best we can here. But there's no real English language words to describe how wonderful it is. That if God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since, verse 32, he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? He loves you so much. And it's something that you just have to have an encounter with. You have to have an encounter with God's love. You can hear, I mean, 
we've talked about it so many times, Jesus walked the earth in the flesh. Love itself, in a person, was walking the earth, and the world missed him. But those that had their eyes open, they ended up paying such great price themselves, didn't they? Those that had their eyes open ended up even, as we, as we looked at not too long ago, Peter giving his, his own life on a cross. Because when the love of Jesus Christ hits you, when you get filled with his love and you realize the fullness, the, it's not a story. It's not, oh, you know, Jesus went to the cross and we just think of them as words and he took your place and here, here's your ticket. Here, you want your ticket. It's so much bigger. It's, it's so overwhelming that there's not even words. But what happens when it actually hits you, when something, when the revelation of his love for you hits you, you are changed forever. And all you want to do is love as he loved. Listen, this is what I'm going to go back to. Romans, but I want to jump over to the book of John, verse 17. There's a lot in those chapters. I love John 15 through 17. But he said, Father, verse 24, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. See, that's the price. That's what he did. Jesus said, I want these that you have given me to be with me where I am. But where is he going to be? Sitting at the right hand of God for eternity. That was what he gave you. Now listen, will he give you will he give you healing? Will he give you peace? Will he give you hope? Will he give you joy? Yes, but that's like a tiny piece. This life and the and whatever you can get from Christ in this life is just such a tiny piece. What he ultimately gave you was the ability that you did not have before to sit with God in eternity forever. And when you get that revelation, when that revelation, that love, his immense love hits you, you just, you, there's nothing, you don't want to do anything but love him back. Those that love you, it's easy to love. Those that hate you, it's hard to love. But Jesus doesn't require your love, even though we hate him before we come to him. Many with incredible hatred towards him before but he loved us first and then when that hits us right isn't it amazing to see the stories of those that even persecuted him like Paul's but there's modern day Paul's right and you know some of those stories where they were even persecuting Christ but when the love of Christ hit them they now were willing to be the persecuted because they had a revelation of his love. But he says, I want them to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me. See, Jesus is talking about the love of the Father towards him. And even though Jesus is being obedient, why is he so obedient to his Father? Why did he make that choice? He loves us so much. And because the love of the Father was in him, it says that the love 
because you loved me even before the world began. And then he said, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. Verse 26, I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Now listen what it says. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. The love of God came into Jesus and commissioned him. And when that love comes inside of you, it commissions you. Nobody needs to make you do anything. God's not really making you do anything. You have the same choice that Christ has. But you make it willingly, don't you? And I just want God's love to hit us brand new. When you have an encounter with his love and and. It's not something I can even say. I'm saying it to you in these words now. You need to say the truth, but it's only a supernatural thing. Maybe it's happening right now, another revelation of his love. Maybe you're feeling it. Maybe it'll happen in the coming weeks. I'm saying it now, but it's a supernatural thing that has to happen, just as coming to Christ is at all. But when his love hits us, then let's go back to Romans. When it hits us, it says in verse 32, he didn't even spare his own son. Didn't even spare his own son. Won't he give us everything else? Verse 33, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. In verse 34, Who then will condemn us? No one, for Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. You know, he's still pleading for you today that his work, in one respect, we say it was finished on the cross, but it says that he will is seated next to God, and pleading for us right now. His love is still working for you right now. But this is what I want to get to, and he says in verse 38, and I am convinced. Well, see, once you have an encounter with his love, and once God's love, once you realize what the cross meant, that Jesus chose this Because of his love. That's it. That's the only reason, period, because of his love. He was not forced. God did not make him. He obeyed because he was so in love with us. And that love was a God love. And it's one that comes into us and it says, and this is your message today. This is maybe the verse you need to hear today to encourage you, to remind you. Maybe you've heard this verse many, many times. God's going to speak it afresh to your heart today in Jesus' name. Verse 38, and I am convinced that nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. 
Do you know that this is not a post-becoming, this is not after you become a Christian. This is before you were a Christian. Think about it, because it says that his love was poured out on that cross while you were still an enemy. That means that no matter what state you're in, that means that no matter where you're at in life, whether you're serving him the way that you should be or you're not, this is not for the Christian, this is for the world. Nothing will separate until death itself, then death, then you've made your choice. But until that moment... And this is for the Christian after the period. For the Christian, neither death nor life. For the Christian, even death itself can't separate it, can it? Because you've been joined with love for eternity. You've been joined, and even death, for the believer. For the unbeliever, there is, the love is the same exact. He loves the unbeliever as he loves the believer. And in fact, when we as believers get that revelation, then our love starts pouring out of us. It starts pouring out of us. We start loving each other, both as the church and the unchurch, the outside world. When Jesus has a true, when the cross truly starts to, to have an impact inside of you, you start becoming like Christ himself. And that love that you cannot be separated from, that nothing can separate you, death and life and angels and demons or our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow and not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you can't help for it to come pouring out of you. See, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says... Faith, hope, and love, right? We love this verse. Three things will last forever. We've been preaching on faith and, and the hope that we have in Christ and love. And the greatest of these is love. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. And if I gave everything to the, I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Don't you see Jesus in these verses? Let's now look at his cross. Let's look at Jesus. He did not demand his own way. It's not irritable. Who would have been a little irritable when they were being whipped to death and put on a cross? <laughs> and yet we have this beautiful picture of he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always faithful, and endures through every circumstance. These three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And you know, 1 Corinthians 13 is a message to us. It's not talking about what Jesus did or who Jesus is. It's talking about Jesus inside of you. We need to have a revelation again of what he did for us because it changes you again and again and again and again and again. And we need to just keep coming back. We need to just come back to that cross. Lead me to the cross. Come back to the cross. Come back to the altar. We need to keep doing that. You come back to that cross again and, and get the revelation of the love that was poured out for you. And you, cha- you just get changed. All of a sudden, the things in your life that were struggles and the worries and the fears, they just start fading away. Because you start looking a little bit differently. You start looking as Jesus did. He had his eyes set like flint. It was set on the goal that God, his love for me and my, that love now for these people is causing me to not think rationally according to this world. But the price that he paid for us that gave us love gave us love he gave us love and if you have the love of Christ in you it either is his love or not if it's his love then it's going to look like his love it can't help but come pouring out of you we need that let's stand we're going to do communion in a moment but I just want to pray Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you, God. As Paul prayed in Ephesians that this revelation, I pray that you could understand somehow. There's not even words to describe it. But Lord, we want to love as you loved. We're so incredibly thankful for what you did for us. We're so amazingly thankful, Lord, for what you've done for us, for the love that you gave us that we willingly love. We're not choosing to be loved now because you're making us, but we can't help but be love and to love. And that means, Lord, no matter what, just as you showed us, it doesn't look for its own way. It goes right even to death itself. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that with everybody's eyes closed in here, wherever you're at, You may be serving the Lord your whole life. You may not have chosen to follow him yet. But wherever you're at right now, the Lord is speaking to you today and he's looking into your heart. He's going to pour into your heart if you're willing, if you let him. If you've been serving him, he wants more love in there. Who knows, we could all use just a little bit more love pouring out of us. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the only hard one here. But Lord, I thank you right now in Jesus' name, right now. The Lord, just speak into your hearts. He wants you to know him 
in a new way, even if you've known him for 40 years, 50 years, today he wants you to know him afresh, to know the price he paid. And when that happens, you just can't help but falling back in love with him. Lord, help us. Help us to see and help us, Lord, to love you. In Jesus' name, amen.